0: We are a people set apart as God's devoted ones. And He has claimed us as His very special possession. Before God laid the foundations of the world, He thought of us and chose us to belong to Him. And you know what? This gave Him great pleasure. We are a people who are led by the Spirit of God, and we have been freed from living in fear. We were bought with divine blood. The King of the universe died to rescue you. We are accepted without question into the throne room of the King of Kings. You are invited into the presence of the Maker of the heavens and the earth. We are a brand new creation. Nothing else on this planet is quite like the church. No other group, no other family, no other organization is quite like the church of Christ. We are unique in all of creation. The spirit of the creator of the universe dwells in us. And you are a holy people. Jesus' blood has made us new and beautiful. Do you know that? We are called to eternal glory. Our Lord makes us strong and firm and steadfast. You are heirs to the world and all that is in it. Our destiny is to rule and reign with Christ. And we will live forever. We will live forever. Goodness and love will follow us always. We hear our divine lover's voice and no one, no one can take it away from us. He confronts our enemies and he rescues us when we are overcome. He brings security and peace into our life and the God of the heavens delights in you. Do you know why? Because we are his beloved. We are his beloved. There's one thing this world craves. Human beings crave true love, don't we? We we crave true faithfulness. We crave relationships that will truly cherish us and show real devotion. People look for lovers, friends, children, friends, family who will value them. Who, people who will go beyond the borders of themselves to reach out and cherish them and, and love them and rescue them and show concern and care for them. You know, when we're feeling shamed and guilty and alone and attacked and isolated or, or maybe just even plain bored, we want to know that someone cares about us. We want to know that we count, that we matter. We want someone who will stand by us who will defend us, who brings closure to our, our griefs and, and joy to our losses. Someone who will forgive us when we're awful and difficult. Someone who loves us when we're sick. Someone who will love all of us with all of who they are, their entire self and life. Someone who will spend themselves on behalf of us. Someone who will put aside their, their desires and their privileges and their ambitions and, and, and will seek our needs and our pleasures. We want someone who will give meaning to our life. Someone who will bring dignity and significance and a sense that we are special. How might we find this? How might we find this? Do we find it on TV? I mean, there's many shows on TV. People look for all of this. Married at First Sight. I won't ask you to put your hands up if you watch that one. The Bachelor. Days of Our Lives. Home and Away. You know, These are all shows that attempt to satisfy this hunger in us but they just seem to make us all the more hungry. How might we find this love we look for? Is it in spiritual disciplines? Is it in Bible reading? Is it in prayer? Is it in singing? Is it in theology? To an extent, they satisfy this hunger in us, but sometimes we do them and just still feel a bit empty and a bit spent and a bit tired still restless still searching for that elusive eternal love how might we find this do you know we find this in knowing that we are the bride the church we are the beloved we are the bride We are the beloved, so be loved. You can't pray, tithe, fast, read, serve or worship your way into a deeper experience of God's love. Because do you know what? That would be works. The bride. The bride knows grace. You know, we struggle with this grace relationship sometimes because... All of our human relationships seem to be based on works. Based on an economy of giving and receiving. If I give, if I give into this friendship or into this marriage or into this uh, family relationship, I expect some sort of return on my investment. And if I don't get it, then I'm tempted to stop giving. if if we don't get the attention or the devotion or the service or the obedience that we want, we think, I'm going to withdraw my affections from you. I will stop serving you, we think. We decide to stop cherishing the other person, stop having patience with them, stop giving ourselves to them because we're not getting what we want back. And so, of course, we think that that's how God will be with us. And often that's how we relate to God. We think that if God doesn't get some sort of return on his investment, then then he's going to withdraw his affections from us. That he will stop being faithful to us. He will stop loving us and pouring his life into us. And we get frustrated when it seems God is not doing what we think he should we feel like we're not getting a good return on our investment of service or tithes or prayer or fasting. We feel like somehow they're not working. And we start to think, well, perhaps is there something wrong with, with me, with us, with God? Because the economy of the relationship doesn't seem to be working and so we withdraw. But that's not Grace. That's not grace. That's not how Jesus treats his bride. You know, in in biblical times and even today, arranged marriages were based upon the benefits that that marriage would have for the family, so economic or social benefits. They were not marriages of grace, the free gift of oneself to the other, freely given love. They were relationships of obligation. But ours is not a relationship of obligation, is it? This is not the relationship of the church to her king. The bride of Christ knows grace. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 4 to 8. Do not be afraid, you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young, only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandoned you. But with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness... I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. A widow in the Old Testament faced debt and poverty and social isolation. Widows were among the poorest of the poor. And in a patriarchal culture, losing one's husband meant losing one's income, one's protection, and one's position in society. You were a someone and now you're a no-one. And with minimal inheritance rights, minimal opportunity to earn a living, um, things are looking pretty drastic for you. You know, you'd left your own family when you married into your husband's family, but with your husband dead, your links to any family are now quite shaky. Because of your vulnerable, vulnerable position, your, uh, you become a target for exploitation. And what do you think your reaction would be? Grief? Bitterness? On many levels. You know, we grieve the loss of our spouse today and it's traumatic. However, we grieve without the added layer of social isolation and shame and economic disaster. And so the widow here in Isaiah 54, the the widow is a picture of us, of humanity in our grief-stricken state of bitterness and shame, having been cut off from our husband, cut off from our creator God because of sin. This is how so much of the world lives. And humanity, we, we find ourselves vulnerable to exploitation from each other, to enemies, both spiritual and natural ones, to to shame, to guilt, to bitterness, because we've lost our standing and our identity. We are a people who, like the widow in Isaiah 54, are, are deserted and distressed in spirit, and we now face disaster and ruin because we know God's rejection. We know what it is to be alone and no longer under the care of our provider, our protector, our source of life. We no longer enjoy the fullness of all that it means to be people made in his image. And of course, being rejected by God and having his face turned away from us is death. Being separated, living apart from God is death. Being cut off from our God, our husband provider is torment. We've all tasted that at one time or another. People won't necessarily admit that their distress and shame is because they're cut off from God, will they? People will label their their distress and their shame in many different ways as, as the fault of their childhood, as the fault of their health, problem with their job, their failures, other people's failures, lack of finance, living in the wrong town, living in the wrong house. People will blame their friends, their family, their co-workers. People blame technology, the media they blame lack of opportunity, they blame society. But they're all just symptoms. They are all just symptoms. And so, of course, people will try and manage their their distress and fix their shame in lots of ways. A better job, an easier job, a nicer house, an exciting holiday, a new relationship, fixation on TV shows, gaming or celebrity culture, winning at something, I mean you look at the most popular shows on on, on T V right now and you'll see the common ways people try and manage their distress and shame. Here are some of the most watched T V programmes of twenty eighteen. Number one, married at first sight. And of course, what what does that speak to? That speaks to our culture's obsession with new relationships, the thrill of new relationships and sex. That's how people try and manage their shame and their distress and their brokenness. Coming in at number two was My Kitchen Rules and who he knows that our society is obsessed with food and their stomach. That's how we try and manage our shame and distress. Number three, the block. Well, that's all about our obsession with our homes and material possessions. Well, there's idolatry if I ever saw some. Coming in at number four, the good doctor. Here's our obsession with health and trying to prevent death. Coming in at number seven, oh no, number five, sorry, is seven news and he's the God of knowledge god of gossip and feeling connection and belonging because we know what's happening everywhere that's how people try and manage their shame and distress coming in at number six is the voice well here's our worship of celebrity and fame and coming in at number seven is Australian ninja warrior This is all about our obsession with physical strength and winning, being the best and the strongest. And if you were to look at the top rating TV events uh, of 2018, the top five events, they were all sport. And I don't have to tell you that our culture is just a little bit fixated on sport as their religion, as their God, as their source of meaning and satisfaction. Sex, food, possessions, health, knowledge, fame, strength, and sport. They're just things that distract us. They don't fix us, do they? Now, you may or may not be tempted to find meaning and purpose in this list of distractions. I'm guessing for most of us here today, those things don't hold the same grip over you as they do for many others. But I can guarantee, even if you don't now, you probably once did. You were once there. And even if you don't now, I bet sometimes you're tempted to. And even if you don't give in to that temptation, do you know what? Your friends do, your neighbours do, your work colleagues do, your family does everybody in this world needs to know that shame and guilt is not fixed by sex or food or possessions or health or knowledge or fame or strength or sport in fact shame and guilt is not ever going to be fixed by anything we can do do you know that we we say we know it but you know even sometimes in the church i think we we miss the revelation that the only antidote to our rejection our isolation our disgrace our shame is knowing our identity as his bride we we are the church and we are the beloved we are the beloved so be loved This is all you need and this is all you really want. With deep compassion, God brings you to himself. And you know, whatever shame or guilt you carry, whatever sin, whatever flaw you have, your heavenly husband comes to you in compassion and kindness to bring you back to himself, to restore your identity as the beloved. His kindness towards us will be everlasting it's for now it's for forever he will not remove his favor from you do you know why is it because you follow the rules better than others is it because you serve is it because you love others is it because you pray is it because you tithe is it because you fast Is it because of your passionate singing during worship? Is it because you know your theology better than most? Is it because you read your Bible more than everyone? Is it because you're you're more disciplined, more patient, more talented, more kind? Is it because you're great at your job? Is it because you give money to charity? Is it because you're a nice person? Of course not. And you know that, don't you? Of course not. It's because Jesus is your Redeemer. Jesus is your Redeemer. He bought us out of our widowhood. He paid for our sins and our idolatry. He paid for our selfishness and our rejection of him. He paid with his blood at the cross. He paid with his life at the cross. He paid himself for you so that his bride would know him. And the bride knows grace. We are the beloved. So be loved. Be loved. Isaiah 62, verse 3 to 5. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see a splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight. How good's that? Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God, for the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride. Your children will commit themselves to you, O Jerusalem, just as a young man commits himself to his bride. Then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. Many people currently wear the, the, the name forsaken or desolate. I met someone this week that fits that description. This, this lady experiences crippling depression. And she was just so broken and lost. She felt so uh, alone and bleak to the point of despair. And the interesting thing is nothing is really going wrong for this lady. She has a good job. She's just been on an overseas holiday. She lives in a nice town, in a nice unit. She has a loving family. And yet she carries the name forsaken and desolate upon her soul. Do you know anyone who carries the name forsaken and desolate? Do you ever carry that name? I've got good news for you. (laughs) Your new name, your forever name, is God's delight. (laughs) Do you believe that? Do you believe that when God looks at you, he says, You're my delight? That's your name, delight. You are his bride and as people of God he claims you as his own. He gives us a new identity, a new significance, a new security, a new hope and a new purpose. You are the people that God rejoices over. God rejoices over you with passionate love and dedicated commitment. And, you know, he he holds you. He holds this church up for all to see and admire like a splendid, regal crown of gold and jewels. You know, it might not seem that the the church is admired and in a place of honour. In our world today, abuse and scandal seem to be what people see when they see the church. If you've been listening to the news this week you'll have heard of the the guilty verdict that was returned for Cardinal George Pell abuse and scandal that's not what God sees or says about his church his bride where the world sees sin and weakness and and flaws and inadequacy he sees a crown not because the church's behaviour is always deserving of a crown, but because he has taken it upon himself to redeem our every weakness and our every flaw. It has been paid in full. And the bride knows grace. To you know grace. any time we attempted to to strive or, or to score spiritual points with god know this know that you are already his favored and chosen ones you are already his favored ones the next time someone tells you that the church is lacking or incomplete or falling short you can tell them, Jesus paid for that. Jesus is the answer for that. Jesus loves all of his creation. All of his creation is, is good, however, His bright. Oh, we something special. He delights in you. He rejoices and sings over you. His love is passionate for you like a bridegroom towards his bride. Amongst all of his creation, we, we alone are the beloved. So be loved. Know his love. Now, when you need rescue from life's pressures, from your enemy, from your own failures, or from the failures of others, he will hear your cry and he will answer your distress. He will rise with holy anger towards those who threaten the well-being of his bride. You know, the whole earth will shake and and consuming fire and blazing coals come from his mouth. And his voice of authority will resound from heaven. And like arrows, like, like lightning will scatter your enemy. Everything that threatens you will be laid bare and will be in submission to the rebuke of the Lord, your bridegroom. When you are drowning in sin or disappointment, when you're drowning in despair or difficulty or hopelessness, when you are overwhelmed and overpowered, the Lord will be your support. He will will reach down and he will be your rescuer. His concern is for you because he delights in you. And of course, we, the bride, respond in faithfulness to our faithful one. He is the one who keeps our lamps burning. We will worship and honour him alone. He keeps us advancing, even when there's darkness or difficulty. He arms you with strength and security. And he enables his church to climb higher and to do more than we ever naturally could on our own. He gives us strength and he gives us resilience. In him, we are made great. Do you believe that? In him, we are made great. Is that true? The beloved bride is built up and made strong and mighty. And you know what? The the enemies that used to overwhelm us, we now overtake we crush them like dust beneath our feet we crush hopelessness we crush depression we crush anxiety we crush sickness we crush cancer we crush fear we crush indifference towards god and indifference towards each other we crush selfishness we we trample on these things the name of jesus You know, being the bride of Christ will change the way you see yourself. It will change the way you see other believers. It will change the way you see your marriage, your relationships. It will change the way you see your problems and your difficulties. It will change the way you see your daily life. We must look at the world through the eyes of the beloved. You know, next Sunday, Steve and I celebrate our 18th wedding anniversary. Yeah. 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 Ephesians 5 talks about um, the marriage-like intimacy and the self-giving sacrifice that Christ offers his church. And we're told that submission and self-giving love should then characterise our marriages and our family relationships. And so, you know, for our earthly relationships to make sense, for them to work, for them to thrive, we must get hold of our heavenly relationship first. When we know the security and the significance of being Christ's bride, we are able to pattern our human relationships upon this. Philippians says that our relationships with one another, in them we are to have the same mindset as Christ. And for us to submit to one another as we would Christ, or to love one another as Christ loves his church, we must be clothed in our identity as the bride, as the city of God's delight. And it's when our own needs for love and acceptance and forgiveness are met as the beloved ones we're then able to minister this love and acceptance and forgiveness to others to our wives to our husbands to our children to our family to our parents to everyone <coughs> wonder if the musos could just come now the bride the bride knows grace and I, there, there are no words I can, I can give you to make you have a revelation of how magnificent it is to be the bride and to know grace. But my prayer is that may you know grace. May, may you know your identity as the bride. May you know the depths of his love. So what I want us to do is just to spend a few minutes responding to God, allowing the Holy Spirit to kindle that freshness of that love relationship with Him. I'm going to spend a few minutes worshipping, knowing that He rejoices over you. He delights in you. And he claims you as his own. I'm going to spend some time being loved.
1: took a breath, you breathed your life in me, you have been so, so kind to me, and oh the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I was your foe, still your love for, for me. You have been so so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it off. have been so, so kind to me, and oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, oh, it it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the ninety-nine. don't deserve it still, give yourself away, oh the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me, there's no lie you won't kick down lie you won't tear down coming after me there's no shadow there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no wall you won't kick down no lie you won't tear down coming after Still your love fought for me. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. you have been so so kind to me and oh the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of god oh it chases me down fights till i'm found leaves the 99 i couldn't earn it i don't serve it still, Still give give yourself yourself away. as as children, as adults, married, not married, all of these things yet we know what it is to to experience the presence of of someone close whether it's in family relationship or otherwise and yet this goes beyond that God's love goes so much further beyond that and all we've heard, how he sees us, how he makes us Know how far he's gone for you. Know how he sees you. Know how he presents you to the world around us. One more time, and then we'll finish with a chorus. There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. And all the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. want to have a, a prayer, just some expression of praise that could just, um, yeah, just come from your heart in response to, um, to this groom who's like no other groom, this one who comes in grace, always grace. Just one last opportunity for just someone to to offer out, just a cry of thanks.